0: You are back with the conversation, and today we are talking about rail. Lots of critical deadlines approaching, and we don't have much wiggle room on our time clock to spare. Joining us for this next hour is Andrew Robbins, Executive Director and CEO of the Honolulu Authority for Rapid Transportation. Good morning. Good morning. You know, we were just saying that the last time you were in here was almost a year ago, and the big deal was the the recovery plan.
1: Right, and that was a great success because last year we... Received the approval from the federal government on the recovery plan, and that was really a major milestone for the project.
0: Okay, but we also have a, 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 a pretty tough year that's shaping up this year because of all the deadlines.
1: Oh, sure. You know, it's a, this is a mega project, and the challenges uh, continue, and that's why we're here, to, to address each and every one of the challenges and y- get this project off the ground.
0: Now, we just had a Hart board meeting on Thursday, and uh, Honolulu Mayor Kirk Caldwell, I think, was there with uh, uh, Council Chair Ekaika Anderson and um, Council Member uh, Joey Manahan, who's a, the budget chair. Uh, they expressed some concerns about the deadlines, uh, and I know Twenty. 20- December 2020, I think, was the the deadline out there, but you had indicated that maybe there was a chance that uh, folks would be able to see the system up before that. I, I, clarify those deadlines.
1: Right. So, you know, ever since I've been on the job, which is about two and a half years now, there's always been this deadline of December 2020 to get the first 10 miles up and running, uh, what some people refer to as an introductory or an interim service. And we're at the point now where the guideways are completed. We're rapidly completing the first nine stations. We have trains on the island. We're going through our testing program. Um, So we're getting there. And, uh, you know, uh, Hart's main responsibility is to plan, design, construct, test, commission, and then eventually uh, gain the safety certification. Passengers can only be allowed on the system once uh, safety certification is received from HDOT, Hawaii Department of Transportation, who's ac- who acts on behalf of the federal government to provide the safety certification. So that's Hart's main responsibility, and uh, the city has always maintained that uh, December they would like to uh, get the service opened. So it's incumbent on Hart to get the system ready to ride, as we say And so I just felt like uh, it was responsible uh, on behalf of HART to try to get it ready to ride maybe 40, 50 days ahead of the December date. And that's all we're trying to do is uh, to be in a position to turn it over to the city because under the revised charter of 2016, the city is responsible to actually oversee the operations and maintenance. They'll determine the actual start-up date for the passenger service, but we want to be in a position of Having it, all the work complete for those first ten miles, including the safety certification.
0: So that's kind of maybe your like your own internal deadline. Like, okay, it, you know, we want to have it sooner.
1: That's correct. We want to have it up, but you know, our our work done sooner. And what what I've heard the uh, the city say is, if in fact that we do achieve the October readiness status, they may see fit to have perhaps a weekend demonstration service, where the public can come out with their families and give it a try before it actually goes into this full introductory service uh, in December.
0: Okay. No, I know the mayor and the council met with the FTA, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago now, um, and uh, uh, one of the council members, uh, Council Member Manahan, said that uh, one concern that they heard repeated uh, with the FTA was that the project maybe was over-promising and under-delivering. Um, here's a sound bite from uh, the council member.
2: The utilities are, are kind of an unknown uh, and it, it, it's a known unknown, if you will, uh, on Dillingham Avenue. And we know, you know that that adds risk and adds cost to the project, right? And so with only 7% of the work completed and you know, the lack of progress, basically uh, there's a concern that there's added risk uh, now that's going to be put on the, the P3 contract as a result of the slow progress on Dillingham Avenue, which will also add cost at the end of the day to that contract. And so those are the concerns that, that, you know, we brought up.
0: So we should clarify P3, public-private partnership, that's the reference there. And uh, Manahan's district covers that area in Kabbalam and Kalihi.
1: Right. So what the council member is talking about is um, our city center portion uh, of the project. And this is the portion that's still yet to be constructed in terms of the guideway and the stations from Middle Street to Alamoana Center and that runs right up Dillingham Boulevard through downtown, through Kaka'ako and eventually over Alamoana Center. So different than the interim service that we just talked about out west, which is the first 10 miles from East Kapolei to uh, Aloha Stadium. Um, So, you know, at heart we have to maintain uh, progress in all of these areas. Uh, in terms of the interim service, you know, we feel it's very important to get that accomplished this year. And I'll put my engineer hat on and my project management project management hat on. You know, it's important to achieve this interim service and th- all those milestones that make up interim service uh, so that we can uh, not only get the, s- the service open to the public, but that we can really get great progress going forward towards our full opening in 2025. Uh, From a project management standpoint, that's exactly what we want to do, is accomplish these interim goals so that our long-term goals are also met. Now, what the council member is talking about is that we have a major challenge in terms of relocating utilities, especially through the Dillingham Corridor. That's work that Hart has undertaken in advance of the public-private partnership. The P3 is really uh, surrounding the guideway and station construction, and then also including uh, overall operations and maintenance. So yes, we have a major challenge getting all the utilities relocated. We have a massive amount of work that we have to accomplish. I've stated that we're moving too slowly and we have to move faster. So we've been working for months now on a, a plan to go faster to get the utilities relocated. Mindful of the fact that we're doing that in a community that, that's there and we have to be sensitive to the community But at the same time, we have to go faster to meet all of our schedule and project goals.
0: And it's my understanding that you don't have to relocate the large uh, water lines in that area. Is that correct?
1: Well, like any engineering project, you have multiple challenges, and they often conflict. The the goals conflict. So uh, one of the uh, challenges that we understood from the beginning is that there's a 42-inch water main under Dillingham Boulevard. It's, it's a massive water main. It serves downtown Waikiki. And it, it became very apparent that we should try to stay away from that water main at all costs and, and not touch it. So we've been spending a lot of time coming up with a plan so that we will not have to in any way affect that 42-inch water
0: line. And, and are we pretty confident that uh, the records are accurate, that where they say this line runs <laughs> is actually where it runs?
1: Well, for that one, yes, because okay. it's hard to miss. Okay, Yes,
0: yeah, I figure. But, <laughs> yeah.
1: but there's many other utilities, both what we call wet and dry. Uh, so wet is like water, sewer. Dry are like telecom, power lines, that type of thing. Um, We've done a lot of uh, investigative work to make sure we know what's under the ground. It doesn't mean that we're not gonna run into something that um, is, is under there that we didn't know was under there, but we've done a lot of investigative work to try to have as much knowledge as we can before we start digging.
0: Right, you wanna do it right.
1: Exactly. And then we have all the overhead utility lines and there's multiple voltages up in the air Uh, above Dillingham, for example, and basically all of those have to be undergrounded. And that's our work. We're going to have to accomplish that. And one of the challenges is you can't turn off those utility lines until you have constructed the new lines underground. So that becomes a, a, a pretty large project management challenge to sequence all the work in the right sequence and at the same time make progress on your schedule.
0: So how are we doing on that? What's the critical path on that?
1: Yes, well, we believe we have the plan uh, fully uh, uh, established now, and we're working very closely with the city to obtain all the uh, permits that we need to go to both day and night work. We are already working uh, on the corridor, for example, in front of OCCC. Uh, We're doing work at night, people will see that work, but we have to move to both day and night work uh, in order to be able to go faster. And in order to be able to do that, we have to have the permits from the city uh, Department of Transportation Services. So we're working very closely with them on all of the major priorities to be able to get those permits.
0: And so how uh, soon do you think we'll be doing that twenty four hour work? Uh, well, we're shooting
1: for we're shooting now for the end of uh, February to get the permits. So I would expect by March you'll see both day and night work uh, being undertaken.
0: Okay. Um, th- this is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. We are sitting down with Andrew Robbins, Executive Director of the Honolulu Authority for Rapid Transportation, to talk about rail. You can join the discussion by calling us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the Neighbor Islands. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a break.
2: And he tweets, Holy Mother of God. If you want to tweet about coronavirus to go viral the stereo will do the trick it is thermonuclear pandemic level bad i'm not exaggerating but you'd better be correct also an examination of cancel culture on this week's on the media from wnyc tonight at seven following the body show
0: back to the conversation if you're just joining us we are talking about rail our guest this hour is andrew robbins executive director of the honolulu authority for rapid transportation um now andy um talk about the private uh public partnership because you've got some critical deadlines we fell behind on and we've got something coming up
1: uh sure so uh Last year, we uh, really got going with our procurement for the public-private partnership, which is really the city center guideway and stations contract uh, to complete the project from Middle Street to Alamoana Center, about the four and a half mile guideway stretch that we still need to procure and construct, as well as eight stations associated with that segment. And then also we've asked the bidders to also include uh, long-term operations and maintenance uh, for the entire system. So that uh, bid has been underway for several months. Uh, we have uh, bidders that we qualified last year, uh, and we've been working with them uh, through, a, through the procurement process all year. They've asked for more time to deliver their bids, um, assemble their bids. It's quite a complex bid. It's a long-term bid. Uh, So they needed more time, and at the same time, we have to provide them information on those city center utilities that I spoke of in terms of what our schedule is to clear the utilities out of the way as well. So where we are right now is that we expect the bids to come in this April, and then we expect to make an award to a successful proponent in May and then sign a contract by June, and then we'll be off and running with that segment.
0: Okay, but I know we had initially hoped to have done this sooner, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's there's been some delay, as I mentioned. The bidders needed more time, and and we had to also deliver the information on the on the utility relocation as well. So those are the main reasons why we we had to extend the the bid dates. Um, it's not that unusual, uh, as a matter of fact, it's quite normal in a P3 process or really any fixed price mega project procurement it's not abnormal and and typically these take about 18 months to to go through the procurement process we were hoping to do it in 12. looks like it'll be 18 months by the time we're done
0: right right so it just it just makes it all that much harder though because we don't have that much wiggle room under the schedule
1: well yes we have to get we have to get through the procurement process and uh, the fta also is interested in seeing the pricing coming back to make sure it's within our budget so that's important as well um, so yes uh, at this point i don't see any reason for any further extension we've essentially given the bidders the time extension that they asked for so
0: is there going to be a delay though if someone challenges the award
1: well there could be but mm-hmm. you know we we're we're being very diligent in the process and making sure that we follow the procurement code to the, to the letter uh, we've had great engagement with the bidders, there's a series of discussions that are allowed under the process where the bidders come in and talk to us. This is a joint procurement, procurement I'm sorry, between Hart and the city, so we have a series of discussions with the bidders to clarify elements of the bid. There's written questions and answers and there's been hundreds of those that go back and forth. So I'm confident that we're following the process and that will reduce the chance of any bid challenge.
0: Can you say how many uh, interested parties you've got? No, okay. I'm not permitted to okay. really say all that, right. but multiple. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, we did talk to Council Member Monahan this morning about his concerns with this project. Let's take a listen.
2: We're kind of putting all our eggs into this one basket or this one deadline date of May 15. And, you know, the FDA is concerned that if, for whatever reason, that doesn't work out, then we're kind of back at square one right uh, with the project and you know that puts us you know even farther back at, at this point and so based on that meeting that we had my sense was that we're not going to be getting any federal funds released to us anytime soon
0: so i think his concern right the 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 risk um the added costs if we're not going to get any additional federal funding then we might have to tap um hawaii residents right and, and nobody wants to do that
1: Well, first, let me say, you know, with any bid process, especially on a major uh, procurement like this one, there's always nervousness as to, you know, getting through the process and getting the bids back. So I understand that. But as I mentioned, we're following the procurement process, uh, I believe, to the letter. We're having great dialogue with the bidders. Uh, One great thing about P3 is there's an increase in the due diligence so in other words, uh, there's a lot of discussion about um, risk allocation. You can't get away from risk on a, on a major piece of infrastructure like this. But the key is to really have a great dialogue between the public and the private sectors on where the risk should be allocated and who best can mitigate the risk. So, so we've been working for months on that, where under maybe other kinds of procurements, you sign a contract and then you Discover the risk later in the process. We're we're really doing a lot of due diligence now, which gives me a lot of confidence. Once we have a contract, it's going to be very successful successful imp- implementation.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um. You know, we do have a call on the line, Chris from Honolulu. You have a question or a comment?
2: Hey, good morning. Uh, thank you. Yeah, just a comment. So, I just wish. Um, and I'm the ordinary Joe. I'm not an engineer, but and I drive a truck in the daytime for the most part. But I wish they would be. Uh, more realistic in the assessment of uh, the deadline. I would, in my observation, I don't think that even if they go to nighttime operation, 24 hours, that they'll get as much work done um, as they do in the day because of the flow of the traffic on Dillingham Boulevard, in particular. Um, so, you know, I can handle the truth. I mean, we're better. I expect my children and grandchildren to be paying for the rail. Um, but uh, I just think if they gave us like. To me, because it's a roller coaster—the the, the highs and the lows, like getting the hopes up, so to speak. So, just push it out, like under-deliver, uh, under-promise and over-deliver. Like you know, push it out there, but when it does come early, we can all be happy about uh, beating the deadline.
0: All right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that, Andy. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think
1: I heard a couple of things there. First of all, in terms of the work on Dillingham, for example the utility relocation work. The great benefit of going both day and night is that we don't have to set up the cones, bring all the equipment out, and then get to work, and then at night or at the end of the shift take everything back uh, and restore the lanes. That that takes up a lot of the shift just in terms of uh, setting up and breaking down. So we want to be able to leave the... uh, the traffic restrictions in place 24-7 and the equipment as well so that we can get a lot more productivity uh, out of each uh, working day. So that's, that's really the importance of uh, expanding the work to both day and night. And, you know, what we, we've gone out to town hall meetings and what we've heard from people is, yes, you know, this is going to be disruptive. Nobody likes construction in, in their front yard, uh, in front of their business, in front of their resonance but at least you know get it done get it done as quickly as possible
0: so short, term. short term short-term pain for long for term gain, gain. <laughs> exactly
1: so that's what we're trying to achieve with that and in terms of uh, over promising under delivering I understand the history of this project you know and that uh, that's that's the feeling that there's been a lot of that but in terms of uh, getting the uh, service going out west I think the community's been waiting a long time the project is late. Um, People have been living through all the ups and downs of the project and the construction impacts. We have guideways, we have stations being completed, we have trains. Why not uh, establish a goal, work towards that goal, motivate our people, you know, heart staff, um, city staff. Contractors motivate everybody towards a goal and get it done and get it up and running. So that's that's you know kind of my motivation.
0: I remember when you folks uh, were able to put the trains out on the on the guideway and it passed by a school there in Waipahu and the kids were on the playground and they cheered when they saw the train and they were so excited that's <laughs>
1: right and I can't tell you what a motivation that is for our staff and our contractors they you know it just pumps everybody up to really deliver this
0: now so. uh, can you talk about the traffic management plan in the uh, in the Kalihi area because uh, we need we need a plan in order to get the permits right
1: Correct. So we we actually do have a traffic management plan already from, I believe, about three years ago. But it was really just for night work. And so that's what we're doing right now is night work. And as I just mentioned, we have to go to both day and night work. So we have to modify the traffic management plan. And that's what we've been working on. And that involves looking at the traffic impacts, number of vehicles, where are those vehicles going to go, um, if they get diverted off of the road, uh, we also look at the fact that we have to keep uh, 24/7 access to all businesses and residences. There's uh, some businesses and residences that their only access is to and is off of Dillingham, so it's incumbent on us to keep 24/7 access. The bus uh, this is a very heavily utilized corridor for the bus. We want to keep the buses moving as close to schedule as possible. And then I should mention safety. You know. WE HAVE A LOT OF PEOPLE THAT WALK IN THIS COMMUNITY. WE HAVE A LOT OF CHILDREN GOING TO AND FROM SCHOOL. SO IT'S REALLY IMPORTANT FOR US TO MAKE SURE THAT WE HAVE THE uh, HPD SPECIAL DUTY OFFICERS OUT THERE DEPLOYED TO ENSURE SAFETY uh, BEFORE WE REALLY GET GOING WITH THE EXPEDITED WORK. SO WE'RE DOING ALL OF THOSE THINGS RIGHT NOW, WORKING VERY CLOSELY WITH THE CITY AND uh, WE EXPECT TO GET ALL OF THE NECESSARY PERMITS. uh, you know very soon.
0: Okay, so you'll be submitting that plan this week, next week? <laughs> I mean, well, we've already
1: quick? we've already submitted the revisions to the plan and we've received comments back from the city. And so we're going back and forth resolving all of those issues, especially the ones I, I just spoke about. Okay. Yep.
0: All right. Well, this is the conversation. We're talking rail with hard executive director uh, Andrew Robbins. You have a question or comment about rail? Uh, call nine four one three six eight nine toll toll free for the neighbor islands. It's eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. When we talked a year ago, uh, you, you folks I think had just gotten a number of subpoenas from the FBI because they were concerned about potential wrongdoing and in, in letting some of the contracts. Uh, uh, where are we at with that? Can you can you say? Well.
1: Uh What I know is that uh, the investigation is still going on. It's not something that I'm very aware of on a day-to-day basis. It's I believe it's a grand jury process, which is a secret process. And um, you know, our job always was to provide information, um, all of the documents and correspondence and all the information that the investigators wanted. You know, that's what we strive to do. Um, and it's a massive amount of information, so it took a lot of work, but I believe we've met that challenge and provided information to the investigators. And then, uh, you know, make uh, employees available when they were called for interviews. Uh, beyond that, um, you know, our job really is to just keep moving the project forward. And, okay,
0: uh, but, but no new subpoenas.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's the same ones probably we talked about. The last time.
0: And then how are we doing on staffing? Because, you know, as we get into this critical phase, you folks lost a number of uh, key people that were on even just, oh, gosh, even like two years ago. You know, and and they've been there for a long time. So they kind of had the institutional memory.
1: Right. Well, we still have quite a few of those kind of folks around that uh, have been with us for five years, even ten. We have some employees that have been uh, with Hart and before that with the city for ten years. Um, but, uh, yes, we have a number of challenges in terms of recruiting and retaining employees. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not the mainland. So, uh, you know, we're asking people to come to Hawaii to build this project. Those, you know, the certain folks that have a lot of experience with rail, uh, we've had a lot of successes in recruiting some very, uh, talented people. I have one individual, for example, with over 50 years of experience in, you know, starting up uh, rail systems like ours. Um, so we have had a lot of successes, but, you know, you get turnover just like any business. Uh, we, maybe we are a little bit above average in our turno- turnover, but uh, uh, we're working through that. My board has asked us to take a strategic approach to looking at our recruitment and retainage, so we're working on that as well.
0: Now, uh, what about space? Because uh, I think I heard it was Juan Electric that was moving into the Ali'i building because you folks were relinquishing uh, some, I don't know, a floor or two. I forget. But where are we at with that?
1: Right. So uh, we have our headquarters at uh, 1099 Alacar. And we will have to relocate because Hawaiian uh, Electric is actually consolidating a lot of their offices in that building. So we have a team right now working on a relocation plan. Most likely at the end of the year, we'll be relocating our offices. Um, wow, that's soon? I mean, could yeah. you
0: just get the job done and then worry about that later?
1: <laughs> I would love to, but uh, we have to we have to relocate because the building owner has now made a commitment to another tenant. So we're trying to stay out of the last quarter because that's our sort of our crunch time. So we may start moving either before the last quarter or after – the last quarter into 21, we're working with um, the other the other tenant as well as the building, but uh, you know our intent is to stay in the downtown area for a number of reasons. One of which is that uh, a huge percentage of our our employees either take a bus to work or they ride a bike or they walk to work, and we don't want to lose that. That's a you know a great uh, walking the walk, if you will, in terms of utilizing public transit, walking, biking. And also convenience to the city. It's very convenient for us to be near um, Honolulu Hale for meetings. Um, But we, in addition to packing up and moving, we have to have all the uh, fiber optics in place for our computers, because we we we're basically tied to the city for our network.
0: Is your lease up?
1: That lease is up. I see.
0: There's there's no way you could negotiate a (laughs) a delay.
1: (laughs) Well, again, we're working on that, and I I think the building is being cooperative as well as Hawaiian Electric in terms of, you know, trying to work with us so that it's not disruptive to the project.
0: Okay, Uh, you know, we uh, uh, did uh, uh, turn out to one of your community meetings, Um, I think it was back in December, I think that was the the last big community meeting you folks were going around all the districts. Correct. Uh, And we heard some of the the feedback from the community. Uh, It it was just interesting to see what folks were worried about. Um, Here's a sampling of uh, what came up at that meeting.
3: Weird things happen on the bus sometimes. People start screaming or one person starts harassing someone else. And it's the bus driver who handles that situation right then and there. And so there isn't going to be a driver on the train, so to speak. And you mentioned some of the safety uh, provisions, um, HPD and a roaming person, that sort of thing. But is there going to be someone in the train or easily accessible? I mean, if the train is moving and something like that happens, how is it going to be, when there isn't a driver
0: there. So yeah, safety a big issue.
1: We get asked a lot about safety and security, and it, it's a great question. And uh, I, I would like everyone to consider, our trains are going to be about 250 feet long, and they can accommodate over 600 people per train. So having a driver locked in the front compartment, I would argue, is not much help. Um, So what a driverless train actually allows us to do is to take that person out of that front compartment where we don't really need that person because the computer can drive the train more safely, actually, Uh, so we can redeploy our human resources to be with the passengers more. So, again, the city will actually uh, oversee the operations and maintenance of the system, and what they have determined is that there will be at least one, station attendant in every station. Uh, and that will be a help to passengers. Maybe they have ticket issues or they they need to information as to where to go. There'll always be somebody in every station. And then there's going to be um, three levels of security, if you will. The first level will be what we call roving personnel. So there'll be a staff of people that just move around the system, onboard the trains, within the stations. So there will be a human presence uh, of people working on the the train and they'll be again not necessarily locked up in the front with six hundred people on the train but they'll be able to be in the compartment where all the passengers are as well. Then there's going to be another level of security which are uniform security and perhaps plainclothes security that is is dedicated to the Rail project. And then finally you have HPD as well who will be deployed as needed. So uh, a lot of attention is being pla- uh, uh, placed on this issue, and I should also mention uh, a code of conduct is being developed, uh, the rules of riding the train. Uh, so again, this is being worked on by the city. Hard is supporting that effort. I'm sure it's going to include things like no eating, no drinking. Probably water, water bottle. Yeah, be just etiquette, etiquette. Right, <laughs> but you know, behave and uh, respect the fact that. You're on a shiny new asset. We've spent a lot of money on this, quite frankly, uh, as a community, and we expect everybody to participate in taking care of it. Um, But one of the other rules that's being discussed is that there'll be a maximum time to ride. So you know, you you swipe in with your Holo card, your smart card, and you go to where you have to go, and then, you know, we're not. Uh, going to allow, I'm quite sure, people to just ride all day and camp out on the trains.
0: Right, enjoy the view. Right. <laughs> we
1: want people, we want our visitors to enjoy the view, and uh, maybe they're going to be sightseeing. Nobody wants to stop that, but but it's not like you can just camp out on the trains all day long.
0: And this yeah. is a closed system, right? So once you get past, there's going to be, you know, that security, and then all the, the gates uh, to make sure that no one uh, gets injured, falls into the you know, a path of a train, that kind that's of That's right.
1: So the closed nature of the system is that there are fare gates. So there's a paid area and an unpaid area. And that does create a sense of security as well, uh, that there's a area that's designated only for people that have paid their fare. Uh, and then what you're speaking of is our platform screen gates. So unlike, let's say, the New York subway or the BART system in San Francisco where it's open platforms, the trains come in. You have to be very careful not to fall onto the tracks uh, or otherwise end up on the tracks. We have a, uh, a, a platform screen gate similar to an elevator in a building.
0: Right. And that would be the first system like this, right?
1: Well, there's airport people movers around the country mm. that have them. But I, I don't believe there's any rail, urban rail system in the U.S. Certainly in Asia and in Europe there are. But uh and this might be the first uh, major urban rail system with these platform screen gates. And we're very excited to be uh, using those in all of our stations.
0: Okay, and I know uh, one of the other issues that came up at that community meeting uh, is a concern over the noise. Uh, let's hear what uh, this woman had to say.
3: My apartment is right on the, uh, the rail, uh And you know, I'm concerned that when the train runs from 4 a.m. to midnight, how noisy would it be? It's right
1: under my window. OK, so on that issue, and we get that question quite a bit too, uh, I guess the first thing I would say is this is not the 1904 New York subway. This is modern technology. Um, so there's been a lot of uh, innovation over the years on these kind of trains. And we, are, we do have steel wheel on steel r- rail tr- trains. I spent a lot of my career delivering rubber tire trains and uh, the the fact is a good steel wheel on steel rail train that's well maintained can actually be quieter than a rubber tire train. And if you listen to the noise on the H1 freeway you'll know what I'm talking about. Rubber on concrete is quite noisy. Steel wheel on steel rail actually has the opportunity to be quieter. And one great feature of our system is that we have continuous sound walls on our entire elevated guideway system. So if you look at our guideways, there are lips, if you will, on each side that cover up the wheels. And this helps contain the noise uh, that's generated from the train and into the community. Uh, so, uh, you know, this this will be... Uh,
0: a lot more quiet than some of the older systems in you know, I yes. just uh, had a recent experience with Bart taking it from the airport into town and there was uh, for the most part Bart is pretty quiet but that one stretch I was shocked at how noisy it was uh, you know I think I recorded the audio <laughs> on my phone just because I was like wow that's pretty loud
1: right and you know Bart has their own philosophy on on how to maintain that system uh, one of the things you do with steel wheels Uh, steel rails is you have to periodically grind them. Uh, You know, there's some concern at at BART that they don't do that often enough. Um, But we have a a very uh, detailed uh, preventive maintenance plan that uh, Hart is preparing together with our major contractor, Hitachi, that addresses all of those uh, concerns. And, you know, I'm very confident that this will be a very well-maintained system. As I mentioned, with the P3, we're now extending the private sector um, responsibility for operations and maintenance to a long period of time, 30 years. And they have to meet very uh, rigid uh, performance requirements, one of which is the uh, emanation or the uh, the noise that's emanated from the system.
0: Right. And, and our climate, is that going to be a, an issue, the salt or, you know— uh, where the guideways are?
1: No, I don't see that as an issue. There's steel rail systems in all kinds of climates around the country. I was involved in systems in Singapore and Malaysia, for example. So th- that's all no- known science.
0: And well. I, n- I know you've got areas, uh, big plans for, let's say, the Aloha Stadium, There, the redevelopment of that and how that dovetails into the rail system. But are uh, you pretty confident that we're good with that area there?
1: At Aloha Stadium? Yeah. Yes. Uh, that station, uh, w- the contract was put out a little bit later than others, and we had an issue with one of the canopy arms out there that we had to redesign. But uh, it's getting done. We expect that station to be completed around the May timeframe, May this year. And then we can do all of the testing that we need to do, and we fully expect that to be part of the – uh, operational readiness for the first segment that i spoke of earlier
0: right so the folks that go out on the west side can can take the rail in to watch a game at the stadium that's the hope right yeah
1: that would be great yeah. you know to demonstrate to folks that you can get to a, a uh game without worrying about parking for example yeah.
0: well this is the conversation on hawaii public radio you can join our discussion on rail by calling one eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. stay with us we'll be right back after a break
2: America, are we ready? Let's get together for a national call-in special, the night of the Iowa caucuses, the first votes of the 2020 election. I'm Brian Lehrer from WNYC. Join me as we talk about why the Iowa results matter and conduct an unofficial poll of our own. Who would you support if your state got to go first? The time to listen and to participate is now. America, are we ready? This afternoon at two here on HPR One. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Maui Arts and Cultural Center, presenting Moses Good's play, Paniolo, Stories and Songs from the Hawaiian Cowboy, 7.30 p.m. this Thursday in Castle Theater. Tickets at MauiArts.org.
0: You are listening to the conversation on HPR One. I'm Catherine Cruz. We've been spending the hour discussing Hawaii's most expensive public works rail uh, project, and our guest in our studio is Hard Executive Director Andrew Robbins. If you have a question or comment, please call in. Uh, You know, Andy, uh, at the community meeting uh, that I attended uh, back in December, I know there were uh, there were a lot of questions. (laughs) Uh, We talked to uh, or listened to um, one um, lady in the audience who had a number of issues. Uh, that she wanted to get across.
3: Number one, solar. Why wasn't it planned in when we have all the sunshine and the train is being run by electricity? Two, I get very irritated when I pick up the paper and see that another one of your meetings has been canceled due to lack of forum. So Is this another ploy to delay and bring the costs up? And if so, who's doing, state, city, or, or who's ever appointing these people? Number three, if you know this, when, when you turn 16 in days of our youth, first thing we wanted was a driver's license. The youth of today are not interested in learning how to drive, purchasing cars. Time is very important to them. They don't even like waiting for buses. This fast transportation is going to appeal to all of them. I look around the room and there's a lot of snow on the roofs. <laughs> But some of us will not make it, some of us will for a while. But I guarantee your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and your great-great-grandchildren will ride it completely every day for the rest of their lives.
0: Let's talk about that, because there was a generational thing that she brought in. And I know when I think I first met you some, oh, gosh, decades ago, you were with Bombardier, and I was a city hall reporter and uh my firstborn <laughs> is 30 now and uh it's true it's like there there is this different mindset uh, so talk about that
1: yes and I have in my own family I have uh you know older children that don't have driver's licenses as well so I understand what the uh, uh the woman was talking about and I think this is where the rail system really shines you know and it contributes to the uh, public transport system because in this high-density corridor between East Kapolei and Al Moana, uh, where a lot of the growth is and a lot of the population is, we're going to really increase the capacity and the speed of the uh, public transport system so that it works together with the bus. It works together with uh, services like Lyft and Uber who can connect people into the stations. I know in my my own case, one of my daughters takes Lyft and Uber a lot, and she's feeling it in the wallet. So, she's uh, really looking forward to the rail system as a lower-cost alternative, for at least for the long haul. And, uh, you know, I think the, uh, the unique nature of our rail system is also very important. Uh, the rail system here is what we call in the industry an automated light metro. So, we take a long train. So, for, for example, the BART train is typically 800 feet long. Our trains are, are shorter, they're only 250 feet long. And without a driver, we can run them more frequently. So in the peak period, we're talking about five minutes between trains. The average waiting time will be about half that. So you show up at a station, your average wait time will be around two and a half minutes. And I think people are really gonna be attracted to that convenience. You don't, there w- won't even be a schedule. You just show up and there'll be a train there.
0: Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm glad she talked about the, the, the thing with the driver's license. It made me stop and think because I know there were uh, two people in my neighborhood, two young people who didn't get their driver's license until they graduated from high school. Right. Uh, and so they w- were running down there to go get their driver's license before they went up to college, which was very interesting to me.
1: I remember on my 17th birthday, uh, I was at DMV trying to get my license. And there's a, there's a lot of young people don't do that anymore. Um So, you know, all of these things work together, and uh, I, I think the rail system will really contribute to that. And I, and by the way, I've, I've read studies that show that cities with rail uh, have more wi- walking and more biking. Uh, so I think we can look forward to that as well. And it just makes sense. you know, people will need to get to and from the stations. Um, and when they get off the rail system, they have to go to their final destination. So there'll be the opportunities to connect to the bus, uh, maybe take Lyft or Uber, but also bring your bike on board or right. use the Beaky system. Yeah, I know. Um, um, I think yeah. our
0: kids are around the same age 30, 27. And, and I know with my daughter, she lives in Kaka'ako, and she wants to walk to work and ride Beaky. And, and so it's, it's just interesting right. just the perception of getting around these days.
1: Right, so I think uh, this is another mobility option and uh, perhaps a faster one, and I think it'll really contribute to the overall public transport system that we have here.
0: On the other two points that uh, the uh, uh, Hawaii resident uh, brought out at that meeting, the solar.
1: Right, so I I saw the same thing as the caller, uh, that uh, when I came aboard that we had no solar. So, one of the things we've done with our P3, with our procurement, is that because there's this, this long term operations and maintenance component to the bid, uh, we're suggesting to the bidders that they have to take the energy use risk over the 30 years. And we think this is becomes a powerful incentive for them to look to reduce their energy consumption. So, we're already hearing feedback from the bidders that they're looking at installing solar. At the stations and not necessarily just the eight stations in city center, but we're allowing them to think about the entire system in terms of installing PV cells. So, so I would suggest that we're going to, we're going to finally get some solar cells up on some of these stations and maybe our rail facility as well.
0: And then she also brought up the issue of the uh, lack of quorum for meetings. How, how are we on that? Because I ran into uh, Damien Kim, the chair, and he was saying he's still not off the board even though he's termed out.
1: Right. So uh, this was perhaps an unattended consequence when the state legislature added four board members to our board. Uh, two are appointed by the Senate uh, president and two are appointed by the House uh, speaker. We welcome those board members, and we really benefit from their their participation in the in the board meetings. But because the way the city charter read, it affected our quorum, where we need uh, a large majority of our voting members to show up at every meeting, and to be present to, to enact any uh, any uh, action that we need enacted. We have to have a large majority of our voting members at every meeting. Uh, there was a uh, ballot measure, I believe it was a year or so mm-hmm. ago, that did not pass. So we are unfortunately living with this quorum issue. Uh, well, hopefully it gets better. It hopefully it will get better, but uh, you know, thanks to our volunteer board members, uh, by and large they come to the meetings and uh, you know they make time for it, and we get our business done.
0: Okay, uh, and you do have a community day coming up this weekend.
1: Yes, thank you for mentioning that. On February the 8th, this Saturday, starting at 10 o'clock until 3 o'clock, we are opening for the very first time one of our stations, the Haulalani Station at Leeward Community College. So if you come for our community day there, you can park at LCC, come over to the station. For the very first time, you'll be able to enter the station, uh, go up to the platform, and actually board a train. We won't be able to give any rides because for safety reasons but uh, the public can uh, kind of uh, experience the whole atmosphere of what a what boarding a a train will be like and seeing all the features of the station
0: so a little bit different from the community days you've had in the past at the at the uh, rail car facility
1: exactly yeah we've done it always at our rail operations center this time it'll be for the first time at a station and we're very excited uh, about that so please uh, come Bring your families and see what it's all about
0: right so folks in the neighbor islands if you're over here in honolulu that might be an event to uh, to check out because <laughs> be you'll great. be able to see it up close yes um yeah all right so so good to know and then uh um as far as in a, 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 I think the city council committee meeting will will be a quizzing you more on uh, some of the 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 budget and the, and the contract terms, so uh, we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. Okay. We'd like to thank you, Andrew Robbins, Executive Director uh, Hart, and we'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. And if your call didn't make it on air during today's discussion, contact the Talk Back line. Uh, you can uh, listen back to today's show and check out our conversation podcast on hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of The Conversation.